Hey guys, welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. Uh, no intro music this week because a uh, long story that you definitely don't care about. Uh, my laptop is not with me. I had to send it in, get it repaired. Uh, all of our files were on that. So using a different computer, don't have some of the files. Um, so no music this week. But um, yeah, just wanted to say how much we've been enjoying doing this podcast ready for a new football season Carson and I always have fun with that and I hope you guys are enjoying the new look of the site and uh, please keep giving us feedback just on um, what you like what you don't like what you like to see in the future we we definitely take that to heart uh, consider it uh, process it and uh, hopefully continue to build just a, a really good site for Oklahoma State fans so here's to a great year and hope you guys enjoy the show we are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. It is officially game week. A week from today, they will be kicking off the season. Kyle, we've made it. We've we've plowed through the dog days of summer. You've been grinding on golf, but uh, it's time for college football, man. It is time for college football. I am... Uh... <laughs> I'm excited. I am. I think. I think this season is so interesting. We might have talked about this before, but to me, it's almost more exciting than 2017, just because you don't you don't know what to expect. I have no idea what to expect this year. And to me, it's more interesting to try to figure out a team and a conference and a national uh, playoff race when I go in with with these kinds of expectations. So I, I don't know if that's how it is for you, but I just I feel like I. I mean, I think OU is going to be good. I think Kansas is going to be bad, and that's about all I know. And maybe that's all we know every year, but it feels like that uh, more so this year than than maybe in in the in the past few. Yeah, I mean, there is a certain level of excitement for the unknown. I think there was so much hype last year, and it was such a letdown of a season that I can't say I'm, I'm more excited for this season than I was last. But I, I will say that every, it's been like. We can typically tell, right, in an offseason how Gundy's acting, how good the team's going to be. He sure seems like he's in a good mood. He sure seems confident in Taylor Cornelius. He sure seems confident in a lot of the young players are going to play. Uh, I remember 20, was it 2014, Gundy was, like, miserable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, knew, he knew how bad they were going to be. Uh, so I, I, I am excited for that. I think Gundy is a good barometer for how good the season's going to be. And I, I'm like you, Kyle. Like, the more... We get closer and closer, the more optimistic I am about OSU contending. Uh, maybe not for the Big 12 championship, but you know, winning no. nine, maybe 10 games. How surprised would you be if Oklahoma State was playing in the Big 12 championship game? Um, I would be surprised, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked because I'm not very confident in West Virginia. I think we're going to look back on all the preseason prognostications about West Virginia and be like, why are we, why were we so high on them? Like Will Greer's a good quarterback, but since when has West Virginia been a, a Big 12 title contender? Uh, TCU is, they're, I think they're going to be, they're probably my pick to to meet Oklahoma and Dallas just because Gary Patterson's much like Mike Gundy and that he's consistent, but he he plays better defense. Um, but no, OSU's right. In my opinion, OSU is right there with West Virginia and TCU. Um, I'm gonna have to see it. I'm gonna have to see Taylor Cornelius. It's still a total unknown for me. But the way Mike Gundy's talking about Taylor Cornelius, the way the whole team is, it sure sounds like this guy's gonna be good. Uh, you know, I've I've talked with certain people up there that say his arm is 
as good as Mason Rudolph's, maybe a little better as far as just th- pure throwing the football. Now, I I need to see that to to say that. Well, and, I and, need to see yeah. that. But and they're not and they're not saying that he's a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph. That would be nonsense. That'd be silly. Mason's his record speaks for itself. But they're they're saying that he has the talent to do that. They just they don't know if he can do it. When he's not wearing a green jersey, when when guys are flying at him, uh, that'll be the big thing. But no, I'm I would be surprised, but not shocked if they made it to Dallas. And yeah, here's here's my thing with that. I, I don't I'm not gonna I'm not picking Oklahoma State to play for the Big Twelve title. I, I think it's uh, probable that they won't. But what's the difference between Oklahoma State right now and TCU this time last year? You know, and and TCU goes on to play for the Big Twelve championship. It, it just it well, seems they, had like, Kenny, they had Kenny Trill, a guy that at least played and started the year before. That's probably the only difference. And the defense, I would say, is a big difference. I just, I, I well, and that's the thing. I think Oklahoma State's defense is going to be pretty good. I mean, you do? You, Why? I do. I, because they, they've got some guys. I mean, they've got Calvin Bundage. They've got uh, Edison, the, the ninth president, Edison McCrew. The defensive line is good. If you look. And I, I Robert, the ninth president. I forgot about that one. <laughs> that was you. You, I know. You made that up. Uh, Robert Allen brought this up at at Stillwater Media Days, and I thought it was a good point. If you look back at Gundy's best defenses since he's been there, I think two of the three best defenses have been uh, archi- Like the architect has been a first year defensive coordinator. Uh, Bill Young in two thousand. When did he come on? Two thousand nine. Is that right? You remember how good that defense was? Yeah, they had like a like their best receiver had like four hundred and seventy yards, and they won like nine games or something. <laughs> uh, and then obviously two thousand thirteen, the best defense in uh, in what I think was the best defense in school history, Glenn Spencer's first year. So I I do think that there is, I don't I don't think that this year's defense is going to be good because of that those things, but I think that there's a a trend that you can look at of, of new look defensive coordinators having success uh, specifically at Oklahoma state within the big 12. And I think that could continue this year because you've got some experience in the secondary. You've got a really good defensive line. I think there's concern at linebacker depth, but I think they've, I think they've got some guys if they can stay healthy. Well, that's my deal. Kyle is they've, they've had guys for a long time on defense. I mean, Trey flowers, Emmanuel Ogba, I mean, they've had guys drafted, and they just, as I've said, and you know, the the sum of the the parts do not equal the sum of the parts on defense. When you look at the athletes, <laughs> if I screw that up again, is that the phrase? I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say. I, I always screw that phrase up. I, don't, I should quit attempting to say it. Yeah, I, d- I you don't know what I'm getting it. at. It's, like, it's too complicated. They have they have guys that look like they can play, and then. They give up 800 yards to Oklahoma, and look, yeah. I know you want you can say, oh, it's Baker Mayfield. Well, Baker wasn't putting up 800 yards against anybody else. He wasn't scoring yep. 60 against everybody else. It was only OSU. Uh, you go back to the Iowa State game where a third string quarterback. I think that was the downfall for Glenn Spencer was them getting lit up by backup quarterbacks down the stretch. The Iowa State game, the Kansas State game. So maybe <laughs> a new voice will change all that, Kyle. But I gotta, I gotta see it, man. They've been so bad on defense. Uh, since the 2013 season, Glenn's first year that you mentioned, I just I got to see it, and like I, I know people they're preaching this aggressive nature, um, but that was that was Glenn's mo too. Um, so I, I got to see it. 
Yeah, no, that's fair. I just think it's within the realm of possibility that they could be pretty good on defense. And I think that they're, I think we talked about this last week, but just the shift in philosophy on defense, I think will benefit an offense that is going to be pretty good. And again, like we've been probably doing too much preseason stuff and I'm just talking myself into all these different scenarios, but I, I do think that there's a path that that exists in which Oklahoma State could potentially play, play for the Big 12 title. They've got a pretty they've got a pretty decent schedule, honestly. I mean, you got to go on the road to OU. You're going to lose to OU anyway. It doesn't matter where you play them. Um, so you don't necessarily want to play them at home. Um, and and they get Texas at home. They get West Virginia at home. Going to TCU is not great, but. Um, you want to go to Kansas. You don't want to waste that as a home game. So I just think, I don't know, things set up pretty pretty nicely for them in terms of the year following Rudolph and, and Washington exiting because of how many skill position guys they have that are that could be awesome because uh, you're going to have a new look defense and because the schedule is it's not easy, but it, it could certainly be a lot more difficult. They've actually had more wins in Norman than Stillwater when it comes to Bedlam, which is kind yeah. of weird. I want that game in Norman because if you're, <laughs> if you're probably going to lose it anyway, you might as well do it on the road. And like you said, they've had, what, two wins there and one at home under Gundy? Uh, right? Yep, one at home, one on the road under Gundy. But dating back to Les Miles and oh, yeah. Bob yeah, Simmons, yeah. they they won in Norman more in Stillwater, which is kind of I, ironic. I keep forgetting Gundy's two and – what is he now? Two and twelve. Two and eleven. Jeez. <laughs> and he could have won what? Maybe three or four more. Maybe three. Four might be generous. But we could do a whole month's worth of blog posts just on <laughs> what. <laughs> but no, you're you're definitely right though, Kyle. I'm looking at the schedule. It, it shapes up pretty well. I mean, it, the, the the swing games for me are Texas at home and. Boise. At, Boise, Boise is going to determine a lot, but as far as in conference, yeah, two biggest games are clearly um, Texas at home and at TCU for me. I, West Virginia at home doesn't scare me. I'm sorry. Really? I, I, I'm, I, the more like the, the closer we get to the season, the more um, positive I'm getting about Oklahoma State, and the more negative I'm getting about West Virginia. I mean, when have they ever been good? Have they have they even challenged for the league since they came into the league? They have not. They win like seven games every year. The Vegas, the Vegas the Vegas win total, Kyle, has them at like seven. Vegas doesn't think they're any good. What what do they have Oklahoma State at? Like eight and a half or something? It's yeah, it's more than West Virginia. I think it's like yeah. eight. Well, I, okay. I, I want to take this. Uh, I want to take what you're saying and and run with it a little bit. Can can we stop with the whole? Like, what does Mike Gundy have to do at Oklahoma State to get the benefit of the doubt in preseason polls? Look, preseason polls are, are stupid. They're whatever. I, I don't care. But, or apparently I do care. They don't matter. They don't mean anything. But I just don't understand why, like, like why does Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy not, like, like his body of work has been unbelievable. Like, look at, look at his body of work since 2010 when they they basically flipped the offense and and changed everything up his body of work is unreal i'm going to do a post on this i think later this week or beginning of next week you look at winning percentage over the last five years over the last 10 years oklahoma state is among the top 
10, 12, 15 teams in the country. And yet every year where they maybe lose some guys, uh, they get people just, it's, it's almost like Gundy has to prove it all over again. And I don't understand why Texas doesn't have to do that. Why West Virginia doesn't necessarily have to do that. Why is it that Gundy and Oklahoma state do? And, and what, you know, I get that he hasn't won a ton of conference titles, but I just feel like Gundy continues to prove his consistency at the highest level. And, and maybe they're just, maybe they're not ranked in the AP poll because they don't have a proven quarterback. Maybe it's as simple as that, but Texas ahead of them. I just, I just think that is, I just think that's kind of weak. No, it, it totally is. But I, I think the coaches recognize what you're saying, Kyle. Like, they, OSU was ranked 25th by the coaches' poll. I think the coaches realize, like, Gundy gets the benefit of the doubt. And I, I'm with you. Like, I, I don't understand why people don't give him the credit he deserves. Uh, I think I think it's trending more that way. I think you saw that with the coaches' poll. But, again, I cannot put – Texas over OSU I you know Jake Trotter came out with his rankings we we love Jake friend of the show I tweeted him I said I just I can't put he had Texas in fourth over Oklahoma State in fifth and I just sent to him I said with Texas's quarterback situation and Gundy's track record there's no way I can put Texas above OSU there's just it's, it's an impossibility for me and I get the I, I guess I understand why Texas is ranked every year because they're Texas but Kyle, they haven't won 10 games since 2009. And Gundy's won it 10 games for the last five years. So I'm with you, and that's why I think I'm getting more and more positive about OSU's chances this year is Gundy Gundy just doesn't have really disastrous seasons other than that that year every single quarterback on the roster, including Gundy's dog, probably got hurt that year. (laughs) Um but no, I, I totally agree with you. And Texas is what is what it is, Kyle. They're just going to be ranked. Like, you get down to the 21, 22 range when you're filling out a poll. And I think people are just like, oh, it's Texas. It's Tom Herman. They'll, they got to be better this year. Let's put Texas in there. So I, I think it's laziness. I think people just look at the quarterbacks. To me, that's the only reason people are picking West Virginia to finish second. They just go, oh, Will Greer, David Sills, let's go. And they don't they ignore all the other positions on the team. It's just it's kind of a perfect storm for OSU to not be ranked. They lose Washington and Rudolph. West Virginia comes back with their guys and Texas has a new coach, even though he had the same results as Charlie strong. Did you see Jerry Palms, uh, big 12 predictions? <laughs> He's a big fan of OSU. I remember him during basketball season, just trashing OSU. What, what did he say? OU one, Texas two, West Virginia, three TCU four, Iowa state five, Kansas state six, <laughs> Oklahoma State seven, and then Tech, Baylor, and Kansas. I think he he just has some scars from his mentions during basketball season. He said, "I'm just gonna put OSU seven just to piss these people off." <laughs> I mean, Texas two, get out of here! Like just 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 leave, just go. That's my nonsense. Man, my man Tom Fornelli has OU one, Oklahoma State two, Texas three. Texas. I mean, does anyone think Sam Ellinger with a hard G? Yeah, hard G is is winning the conference or contending this year. I just, for me, Kyle, um, who like <laughs> remember Tom Herman's moment at Media Days when he was asked like, what oh, yeah. what uh, difference makers do you have? Like, just go down the roster. Who at Texas is going to win them games at any position? Any? They don't have one All Big Twelve caliber player on offense. 
Zero. I, I, which is just, it's unfathomable. How, how does how does Oklahoma State have like we were talking about this uh, maybe earlier this summer or last year or something like who's the last great Texas wide receiver like great and Oklahoma State's had like four of them in the last eight years. The last good receiver I can remember from Texas is Marquise Goodwin, but he was just okay in college. He's actually doing pretty well in the NFL. I, I just uh, I don't I don't Roy under- Williams. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't understand. I don't understand them. They don't make sense. Like you you get all these guys and you either can't develop them or your your systems are garbage. I I just I I don't get it. It 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 doesn't add up. But yeah, just- again, like prove something i mean it's kind of like like i kind of view them the way that you view jim Knowles and oklahoma state's defense it's like just show me something you know yeah well just objectively just look at the roster i mean there's just nothing stands out i mean i you could argue they were they were one of the better defenses in the big 12 i would i would agree with that but they lost you know some of their best they lost their best players off that defense they lost the defensive tackle the safety they, they lost a lot so it's kind of, you know, the people want to dock OSU for losing Washington and Rudolph. Well, Texas's vaunted defense lost their best players. And they have no offensive players to speak of. I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. Um, okay, we need to we need to do a, a toast, Carson. Uh, it's time for the Coop Works Toast of the Week. Coop Works bring great-tasting craft beer in Oklahoma City. Try the flagship F5 IPA. The Bold DNR Belgian Strong Ale or the Refreshing Horny Toad Blonde. For your next watch party, tailgate, or get together with friends, enjoy a cold coupe ale works. And please remember to drink responsibly. Uh, I got some Oktoberfest in the fridge right now, Carson. I'm, I'm already prepped for, um, for football season. I haven't drank any yet, but it's on, it's on ice, so we're, we're good to go. Two traditions, unlike any other, college football season getting started and Oktoberfest debuting along with it yes, in the orange can. I'm, I'm fired up. Orange and black. Um, who are you toasting this week? Well, I'm going to crack open an Oktoberfest. Why not? I had an F5 on the golf course yesterday, but I'll crack an Oktoberfest since we're in the spirit. And I'm going to toast one Drew Brown, who mm. apparently has won the uh, backup job over Spencer Sanders, who we all kind of thought might challenge for the job. And he's third string. I do wonder if Gundy's just playing the seniority card with that or trying to pump the brakes on. Like, obviously, Cornelius is the starter. I'm not saying otherwise. Just it seems like we haven't heard the last of Spencer Sanders in my opinion. Uh, but I think Kyle drew Brown intrigues me a lot. And yeah, you, again, you've I, been, you've been all about him. I haven't seen him play a whole, I mean, I have more film to watch of drew Brown than I have Taylor Cornelius. I'll put it that way. A lot. And, and yeah, and he played at Hawaii, nowhere near the amount of talent around him that he'll have at OSU. And, and he put up some good numbers and had some, some really good plays, and just he, he strikes you so much as like a, a Baker light. He's obviously not Baker Mayfield, but he's kind of shorter. He's got he's got the scrambling ability. Uh, just I read those quotes that I think Mark Cooper had from his coach at Hawaii, and just he he's he's that guy that like uh, what was that Bill Simmons' old thing like which quarterback do they throw the keys to if like four quarterbacks are going on a road trip like I think. Yeah. I think they throw the keys to Drew Brown. That's just kind of mm. the impression I get from people I've talked to as well. Uh, Cornelius, it's Cornelius's job, but if he slips up at all, I 
I, I'm kind of intrigued what, what Drew Brown could do in there. And he obviously is impressed Gundy. He's, you know, Gundy has said he, he learned the offense really quick. So, um, it's good to have a, you know, a backup option that you can have some confidence in. And I, I do, I, I'm pretty confident in Drew Brown if, if Cornelius slips up. Yeah, that's good. Uh, that, that is going to be interesting. I, I can't believe you didn't take uh, the guy that I'm toasting. I was going to toast Mike Yersich because I think I've found my, uh, my sweet spot for generating traffic and page views this fall. Um, not that he hasn't been in the past, but we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, I'm going to toast somebody who I don't believe is actually old enough to consume alcohol in this uh, country. Uh, Victor Hovland, 118th, 118th U.S. Amateur Champion. Uh, he won at an iconic venue, Pebble Beach. Just just torched everybody in match play. It was, it was awesome. He's not even, I, I was talking so much trash to my golf friends about how he's not even Oklahoma state's best guy. Like he's like their second or third guy. Uh, that's you might want to, you might want to revise that statement. That's probably, that's probably not actually true because he's like the number three amateur in the world. <laughs> and, uh, Alan Bratton but, put him up first. Come on. But in terms of, in terms of pro ceiling, he's not their top guy, which I think is is super interesting. Um, but yeah, congrats to him. Toast to him for. Uh, I'll do a fly me away IPA because he had to be uh, he had to be just on cloud nine the whole the whole trip back to Stillwater. Um, I thought it was, I've, and we can talk about this. I, I thought it was so interesting to watch him because he seemed sort of he just seemed kind of unfazed by the whole deal. I mean. You see these other guys that he's playing against. He beats Cole Hammer in the semis. He beats uh, Devin Bling from UCLA in the finals, who was kind of a – like, obviously, you have to be really good to get to the U.S. Amateur Finals, but he's not a – he's not like a guy. Like, Cole Hammer's a guy. Like, he's he's at Texas. He's pedigree, the whole deal. Devin Bling was like the 307th-ranked amateur in the world. So it's not – he just – it is, it's, he got he's hot out, semis, yeah. Yeah, he's out of his world. He's he's out of his box. Uh, and and Hovland, Hovland didn't even play that well in the finals and just housed him. Um, so, yeah, fly me away IPA to Victor Hovland for capturing Oklahoma State's fifth U.S. Amateur title. I don't have the math on this as far as total holes led, but six matches trailed one hole at the U.S. Am. Hovland went three and zero at the NCAA, so he's nine and zero in his last nine matches. How good is that? And I, I bet you, I'd be willing to bet he was only down maybe one or two holes uh, up in Stillwater, if that. So he's been just thoroughly dominant in in match play. And yeah, it is it is funny, Kyle. I was watching it at the clubhouse uh, when he was playing. I think it was Hammer, and the guys I was with was like, "Oh, uh, Hovland's playing." I was like, "Yeah, he's their number one guy." And they're like, "No, he's not. He's Matthew Wolf's their number one guy." I was like, "Guys." I watched Alan Bratton draft his his lineup. Like Hovland is his unquestioned number one. So you're, it kind of speaks to what you were saying. Like he's not even the best guy. Like most people assume Matthew Wolf's the best guy since he won Freshman of the Year. But Hovland is just it, what's going to translate well for him. Kyle is, is you're right. He was so unfazed, so cold blooded, um, so good on the greens. He just he just fairways and greens you to death and makes putts. It's, it, golf's a simple game. If you hit in the fairway. <laughs> You hit a green regulation and you make good putts, you're, you're going to win. And the only time he would lose a hole, Kyle, is when he made bogey. All he had to do was make pars, and he was winning most of those holes. That's how difficult Pebble Beach is. So he he was incredible. That shot he hit off the ice plant, off the yeah. side of the hill. Joke. 
how absurd was that? You got that up and down. It was. It really is like I thought you put it well. It's been the summer of OSU golf, and now, yeah. you know, you had Bushu winning the Canadian Am for the second straight year. Obviously, send, Hovland send Wolf to the Mexican Am to get the the Where North American he? the he North hurt? American sweep. I don't know. We need to look into hurt. that. Well, I, I follow his swing coach on social media, and he was hitting balls, and I think he had the, the line that this is his first time hitting balls in a couple weeks, and this was oh. a while back, so maybe he, he had to have been hurt. There's no way he wouldn't play in that because he, he tried well, to qualify for the U.S. Open. Yeah, he played in the uh, – I think he played in the Western Am. I don't know. I'm saying things that I don't have the – get your facts straight, you know. But um, – um, but Wolf and Hovland are back next year, Kyle. And Hovland told Joe Buck he wants to play two more years at OSU. Now, whether that happens is another story. He's wearing a lot of Nike gear. Uh, I'm sure Nike might want Wolf and Hovland wearing that on the tour soon. But uh, they're going to be loaded Hov- next year. Hovland also told Holly Saunders Tiger who. So he might have been out of his world after. Uh, he was on after- a high. After winning the USA. No, I thought it was so interesting uh, because you and I talked about um, Ventura who is also from uh he's from Norway as well, right? Yeah. And that's who Bra- like Ventura was basically the guy who got Bratton over there. Like he was this big time am uh or junior uh in Norway. And so when Bratton went to recruit him, he he told this story. I, I can't remember where I saw it. I think he was on uh, I think Ryan Labner wrote the piece for Golf Channel and uh, Bratton basically said, look, and, and this is what he said uh, at, I think he said it at NCAAs as well. He was like, I, I know what a good golfer looks like as a junior. And when I saw Hovland, I was like, that is a really good golfer. That is somebody who's going to be really good in college. And he said that about Matthew Wolf at the NCAAs. He's like, I mean, he was easy to recruit. Like you could close your eyes and recruit him. And he didn't say the same thing about Hovland, but he, he, Braden clearly has a lot of confidence in his ability to recruit guys that are going to be stars or superstars. And he, he sort of, I don't want to say lucked into Hovland, but he kind of stumbled upon him while recruiting Ventura and he might've ended up getting a better guy. I mean, uh, you know, Ventura's probably going to go on to have a, a, at least somewhat of a pro career. I don't know what his ceiling is, but uh, winning the USAM is not a joke, and especially the way he did it, it, it was pretty pretty impressive. Casey Dunn like recruiting by uh, by Alan Bratton. Yeah, the, the the guys who are good at it, they make it sound so easy. Yeah, You're just like yeah, you just go get the best guy. <laughs> well, that story was fascinating because not only did Bratton identify him, that was the only recruit Bratton was going to take was Hovland, and he waited till like the day before signing day. Like Bratton was all in; he was either getting Hovland or nobody. Yeah. in a recruiting class. For, and for golf, that's pretty risky. And I do want to give it up to Alan Bratton as well. You know, when they fired Mike McGraw, OSU lost again in the in the match play, uh, lost Alabama. They, they weren't winning national championships. And I think before the NCAAs, I came on and said, man, there's a lot of pressure on Alan Bratton. I mean, they, they fire Mike McGraw. They haven't won a national championship. But look what he's done in the last last year. I mean, catting a guy to another USAM, second time he's done that with, with Peter Uline as well. They're loaded for bear next year. So Alan Bratton really, I think, along with Hovland, deserves a lot of credit because he's he's backed up Mike Holder's decision. He he is he has come through big time. So he, he deserves a lot of credit for recruiting a Victor Hovland, not only when not a lot of people were, but 
pushing all his chips in and waiting on him because that's who he wanted bad. And, and that, that decision has completely paid off. Maybe we need to get Alan Braden on Ricky Fowler's bag. <laughs> I did laugh. You know, Kyle, golf's the only sport where you can make your coach carry, carry your stuff around like he's a freshman. <laughs> go get that. Did you think Victor told him to go get that out of the hole? I hope so. Uh, I'm kidding. I I love Joe Scovron. He's great. Great caddy for Ricky Fowler. Um, we need to get we need to get Hovland on the podcast though. Did you? The, I don't know if you read the story that Lavner wrote, but he was talking about how Hovland just like he researches all these current events and he wants to talk about uh, just political things and all all this different stuff. I want to go like two hours with Hovland on the pod. Yeah, he's he's interesting, right? He's, he's got he's got that like sly grin. Yeah, at all like he's always he's always in on the joke, and he doesn't like. I, I did read that story, and there's times where he'll hit like five balls and just go play. Like that's pretty incredible. Very Rory like. So I mean, and plus Hayden Wood won the OGA, the prestigious amateur tournament. And he's gonna he's gonna take over for Ventura, I would assume. So they're they are just they're loaded. Yeah, are people going to tailgate this year at Karsten? I I hope so. I'm I might. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I might be like in uh, Wolf's Gallery for the season. <laughs> I might a be wolf. like the a Wolfie. Yeah, I might be. I might be in his gallery. I might try uh, to be on his bag. I might I might just start carrying <laughs> his clubs without him asking me to. That'll go over well. Uh, okay, let's get to this week's uh, uniform preview brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Uh, Carson, we're going to make our official predictions next week uh, before the first game for what uniform we think Oklahoma State uh, is going to wear, but I, I wanted to uh, see if you had any thoughts just kind of surrounding that. Do we think that it'll be just the traditional white, orange, white for the first home game, or are you thinking they'll go something different? That's kind of become tradition, hadn't it, Kyle, to wear just the traditional white, orange, white, uh, be, albeit, you know, the helmet's changed. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. It seems as if, you know, those non-conference scrub games to start the year, they don't waste a flamboyant combination. So that's, that's kind of what I'm leaning towards, aren't you? Yes, but I do think with um... – the new equipment guy, Justin Williams, I believe is his name. I think that he, I think he's fine with, with mixing things up a little bit. So that would be my only sort of hesitation about picking it. I, I, I haven't, I haven't zeroed in on my prediction yet, but that, that is, uh, I don't know that that's, that's the only thing that gives me a little pause. Yeah, that's that's intriguing. I'm in, intrigued to see what all they're going to add this year. They they always seem to add something. Uh, you know, the black, the matte black helmet that they wore against Bedlam. Just I've been calling for that uh, for for a couple of years. They they kind of had put that helmet away. It was good to see that one back. Well, because last year, first game they they went they did go white, orange, white, but they mixed it up with the the Patriot Pete, and that was that was good. So I could see something like that happening again. Patriot Pete's grown on me quite a bit. Yeah. At first, I yeah, I'm, I'm with you. At first, I was like, eh. But then by the end of the year, when they wore it in the bowl game, I was like, that's pretty good. Well, especially switch, like I said last show, the, the black face mask to go with the black jersey was exceptional. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fired up, Kyle. I'm ready for the season. I'm ready for uni predictions. Uh, did, did you win the contest last year? 
Uh, or was it Southwell? I think Southwell did. I don't think okay. I've ever won it. <laughs> or maybe I did. I, I I don't know. Um. Okay, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit, and then we will come back and wrap things up. Since I'm again uh, without my files that have uh, some of the old ad reads that we have had on here and uh, a few other things, I-, I wanted to take this opportunity to talk a little bit more about uh, Chris's University Spirit. They've been a longtime sponsor of the Pistols Firing podcast, and they've also been a producer and distributor of our uh, merchandise, the-, the PFB shirts that you guys have ordered and uh, and and where and and have told us that you you have enjoyed. Uh, it, it's been um, I don't really say this publicly often, but it's been just a pleasure to work with them. Uh, they've been awesome. Um, I, I would encourage anyone who's living in Stillwater or uh, you know any fraternity or sorority members that are thinking about ordering shirts or ordering apparel from anybody in Stillwater. They're just they're great to work with, and I would encourage you guys toward them. And uh, yeah, we appreciate their uh, just sponsorship and uh, just kind of mutual love for Oklahoma State and the community surrounding it. So uh, you guys hit up Chris's when you're in Stillwater this year, and uh, we'll get back to the show. Okay, Carson, I am about to have to go uh, be on Tiger duty, but uh, you wanted to discuss my Mike Yersich piece. Uh, we were writing about the storylines on our website. We're, we're kind of counting down the top storylines of the year. Number 10 for me was why is Mike Yersich not more beloved in Stillwater? I refuse to look at any of the 75 comments that are on that piece right now, <laughs> uh, but just your, your thoughts around that. And uh, I know we've talked about Mike Yersich a lot, but just any, any takeaways from that or, or anything around him? Well, I mean, the, for me, I, I don't understand the hate. Look, I was one of his bigger critics when he was running it off tackle against West Virginia with no offensive line to speak of. Uh, he was dealt kind of a bad hand when he came in. I think most people, myself included, were like, why are they hiring a guy from Shippensburg? But just look at his results. You know, we talked about Mike Gundy's track record. Look at <laughs> look at Mike Yersich's. I mean, Mason Rudolph led the country in passing yards last year. That's called maximizing talent. Uh, look at who he's recruited at quarterback. He recruited Mason Rudolph. He didn't inherit him. That's called recruiting. That's a big part of your job. He recruited Spencer Sanders. Uh, probably had a hand in recruiting Drew Brown, who who I like a lot. So I, when you look at his results, you look at his recruiting, I mean, what what's not to like? And it's amazing. Anytime his name comes up on the blog, people just fire Yersich. He's terrible, blah, blah. Like, based on what? What, are you, what have you been watching? Uh, I know they, <laughs> I know they didn't score every possession last year. You don't need to point out that you know the TCU game when they had to punt. I mean, I get it, but I mean, just his track record speaks for itself. And I think when he moves on, and people will, it'll be. It's almost like people love the offense coordinator when he's not the offense coordinator. Like everyone loved Dana, mm-hmm. but he had struggles in Bedlam when he was running it against a five-two defense of Brent Venables. He just he would not get away from it. It cost him the game. Uh, Todd Munkin was beloved, but he was only there one. Like those two guys were only there one year. They weren't there long enough to be derided or or to really fail at a at a, at a prolonged level. So I, I think it's the most unpopular guy on campus is always the offensive coordinator, and the most popular is always the backup quarterback. And that's just kind of the way football is. Yeah, I think it hurts Yersich that he doesn't really have. And I, I wrote part of my piece was kind of based around this. He doesn't really have a shtick. Like with Dana, he was crazy. He pounded energy drinks and, you know, 
pulled his hair out and whatever. Uh, Monken, obviously, I mean, you experienced this, the best quote in the state for a couple of years. And so he was just easy to, he just always had, you know, stats are for, what do you say? Stats are for nerds? For losers. Stats are for, oh, we, we still need to make that shirt. <laughs> That's pretty good. But Yursich is just kind of a, he's just a guy. I mean, he's just a normal guy who uh, is actually fairly funny, but it doesn't always, I think, come across like that to fans. So I, it just, I don't know, the relationship, the perception there has always been, uh, for whatever reason, just kind of not um, not galvanizing, really. He's he's just been a lightning rod the entire time, and I think that that is, I don't. It's not really by any fault of his own, but it's also hard to overcome. And so, you know, I I think one of the more interesting things that came out of Media Day in Stillwater is that when Gundy was talking about Yursich, uh, he was praising him, said he'll be a head coach soon, which was not surprising. But then after that, he said something along the lines of I would be surprised if our future coaches aren't uh, people that have already touched the program. So that's either former assistants or former players or, I mean, we're, we're already seeing that with Greg Richmond, right? And, and Gundy has been around for so long that he's able to kind of draw from either guys that he coached with, played with, uh, played, that played for him, that coached for him. Or whatever, and so I think I think that coaching tree, the Oklahoma State coaching tree in the future, is going to be really interesting in sort of the post Yursich uh, era. J.W. Walsh, come on down. Is that what you're thinking? The or, first or twenty, think- the first twenty-seven year old offensive coordinator in Big Twelve history. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think Josh Henson's certainly in line for that. If Yursich were to were to leave, uh, I would love to see Marcus Arroyo back on campus. I'm sure. <sighs> I'm sure the recruiting, uh, I'm sure Kyle Boone would love to have Arroyo back as well. Um, but no, it's it, it's all about coaching trees. I mean, look, no one knew who Todd Munkin was when Mike Gundy hired him. They just they had coached together on Les Miles' staff. So a lot of that's yeah. relationships. Uh, but no, I I I kind of think Yursich has the right has the opportunity to be kind of choosy with where he goes. I I don't think um, he's just going to leave for a Tulane, or maybe he would. Maybe, I know he talked to Tulane last year. Maybe he would take a Tulane job. But if I was him, you're making close to a million dollars in Stillwater. I would wait till. I go to a legit football program that will be easier to win at. Yeah. It's just a matter of who, what jobs come open and, and who's interested. Because as Bill Haston mentioned on our podcast, just look at all the head coaches that have come from the offensive coordinator position with Fedora, uh, Munkin on down the line, uh, Holgerson. So he's definitely in line for one. And I, I don't get the hate at all, but um, I guess this is what it is. That's what, that's the that comes with the territory with offensive coordinator. I mean, people hated Gundy when he was calling plays. Remember, you know, you just you don't want to be the OC. Yeah. Uh, two more things, real quick. Uh, James Washington is going to be very good in the NFL. Holy moly, he's going to be a star. I mean, like just I know he's going against like second and third team guys right now, and it's preseason. Yeah. But but the the Colorado defensive back Awuzie that made a good interception for the Cowboys. He still has flames coming off his jersey from how bad Washington <laughs> torched him. So it doesn't like he's going to be playing guys that are worse than that guy in the NFL because he's going to be on the second or third corner. And as we're seeing, he can turn a bad pass into a touchdown because he was underthrown on that that one where he just just mossed the guy. I mean, he's going to be awesome, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And I, th- I think I, I read where 
he's already working with Roethlisberger and the first team. So I can't wait yeah, to watch him. Their first depth chart had him as like the uh, the fifth guy or sixth or seventh guy or something. It was something absurd. Which I guess those things are worthless anyway. But yeah, I think he's going to be really good. Um, Oklahoma State's kind of had a not so secret history of star wide receivers in college not living up to their potential in the pros between Rashawn Woods and Justin Blackman. I guess Dez sort of exceeded his potential probably, but uh, hopefully Washington is more in the, the Dez range than he is the uh, the other two. Um, I forgot what my other thing was. Do you have anything else? Mm, I think that's it. I mean, we'll do, all, we'll do our <laughs> – yeah, that was much ado about nothing. He still has a mullet. It's fine. He just gets that preseason trim, or else it'll just get out of hand. Uh, let's see here. Joel Clad in in town for game one. Yeah, I uh, let me shameless plug. I interviewed Joel Clatt for our uh, college football preview show that airs tonight at seven o'clock. It's Thursday night. I don't know if you can get the podcast up in time, but. Uh, we're hour long show. Joel Klatt's going to be on, uh, Sam Mays, Gabe Eichard and Jake Trotter. So it's gonna be a good show. And it was fun to talk to Joel. Joel for me is the best analyst in the business now. I think he's, I think he's the best and he's the only one that sticks up for the big 12 and how the football's played. And he has to set people like Cowherd straight on points per drive and how football's played in the 21st century. So always good to talk to Joel. Yeah. He, uh, we're we're gonna try to get him on a pod this year. We we've got some some sort of mutual connections there, so we're gonna we're gonna try to make that happen. I remember my other thing. We wrote on Wednesday about what worries. So me and the two Kyles did kind of a back and forth on what worries us about Oklahoma State's 2018 season. Is what's what's the and maybe we you and I talked about this last week, but what's the primary thing that sticks out to you in terms of um, just how this could all go? really badly i don't know if it can go as bad as 2014 but just sort of in that direction yeah i mean obviously you start with the quarterback if taylor cornelius turns into a walk-on uh, and drew brown turns into a guy who transferred from hawaii <laughs> uh if, if the quarterback position does not solidify itself that's an obvious concern but for me kyle it's it's along the defensive line. I know it's been good. It's been one of the probably the strength of the defense. Can they can they stop anybody from running the football? I mean, I remember that TCU game. Third down, third and four, the whole stadium knows they're running, and they run for a touchdown with the game on the line. I, I just for me it's the defense, Kyle. Can they get enough stops? Uh, can they get their points per drive down? They're not gonna shut people out. We all understand that, but can they show signs of improvement, have that first-year mentality that you mentioned with Glenn Spencer and Bill Young. Uh, where it could go badly is I just people running wide open like the Kansas State game, like the Iowa State game. The secondary, they're still young, those corners. I know they have experience now, but they're still young. They're still prone to give up big play. I think big plays and the, just the defense not playing well, I think, is is my biggest concern. Yeah, I think I I do think depth is a little bit of a concern. You've already seen some kind of chatter about um, just the linebacker depth. They lose Patrick Macon. I think they lost somebody else for a little while. So I'm interested to see the depth chart. I think it comes out either later this week, beginning of next week. Um, we'll probably have some stuff on that. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, it, it's both exciting and terrifying because it could go one of many directions. It could be, I don't think it's going to be like 2014 because I think the infrastructure is better, but I think it could be like 2012. You know, you go seven and five in the regular season. That's not, that's not that good for, for the program for where it's at right now. Uh, but it could also be like, um, I don't know. It could be 10 and two, it could be nine and three. I, I, I have no idea, which is, which is part of the fun of this whole deal that, uh, I guess we'll, we'll start next week. You know what I'm looking forward to most actually. Now that I think about it, hmm. one of the things I'm looking forward to most is Calvin Bundage turning into like oboe for OU and just terrorizing yeah. the quarterback and doing the Connor McGregor, Vince McMahon walk. Yeah. Yeah. I, I need that gift back in my life. So I'm looking no, forward it, to that. It, it'll be there. Calvin Bundage might be a pro. He's a little undersized. He's a little skinny. Uh, he would have a hard time getting past the Orlando Browns of the world, but he's going to be a really good college player. Could he play? Could he play DB in the in the NFL? Is he fast uh, enough? Don't know. I mean, I never would have thought Trey Flowers would be a corner. So what do I know? Yeah. But <laughs> where's Adam want? Yeah, we'll we'll have to get we'll have to get Lunt's take on that for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Okay, Carson, I am uh, headed out of town at the end of this weekend, but I'll be back and ready to roll for our first game next week. Are you gonna you're gonna be there, right? I'll be there. Game week, baby. I'm planning on being there as well, so uh, we will meet up. And uh, college football is back, baby. Can't wait. We'll see you then. Okay.